0: Hi, I'm Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. It's the 6th of October, 2017, and this is the RoomNow Weekend Review. This week on our report, we're going to talk about cancer rates. We're gonna talk about what happens when autoimmune disease occurs in patients with autoimmune disease. Um, we're gonna talk about what the most, or best-selling drugs are in rheumatology for 2016. I'll bet you can't guess the top five. At the top of the news, there's an interesting study that looks at um, the rate of non-serious infections in RA patients. Non-serious infections would be infections like the sniffles, bronchitis, uh, the flu, pharyngitis, UTI. These things happen to all of us every day. It Turns out that actually RA patients, especially RA patients over the age of 65, have an increase rate, more so than the general population. A very large study done in an Ontario database by Will Dixon uh, was published a few years ago and it showed that the rate was forty seven point five NSIEs, non serious infectious events, per one hundred patient years, meaning that in a year that the average RA patient is going to have an infection at least half the time. Um, This is a very important, and and although this is an old report, I included it this week in the news because I wrote a blog this week about how to manage infections um, and biologic or DMARD use. And basically, I said, I don't stop biologics or DMARDs in patients who have infections unless they have very high fevers, unless they're in the hospital, and the evidence of this is overwhelming, and you should look at it um, and look at the, the, the blog on this. But you need to know, this background data from Will Dixon, that again, these events are very, very common. You also need to know that when these drugs are being developed, all these biologics we've used, all the ones that have the warnings that are on television, um, uh, they all had non-serious infectious events. In fact, it was a number one side effect seen in all the trials, occurring anywhere from 35 to 55% of the time. And nowhere in those trials was there a mandate to stop the study drug uh, or withdraw the patient. Patients powered through, continued their study drug, whether it be placebo or um, the actual biologic. No one got sick. No one died. Catherine Dow and I did a, a, a meta-analysis of these and showed that even NSIEs were not statistically increased in patients on biologic. Although there was a trend, it's just like the same story you see with serious infectious events. So. You can stop, but I'm making a pitch for not stopping because you're spreading the word that um, these drugs cause infection when in fact the evidence for that is really quite scant. So you can look at those two reports. Another report about clinically suspect arthralgia, a cohort of 241 patients who've had arthralgias that have been persistent were studied with regard to their serologies. And in this particular study they showed that positive serologies did increase the risk of ultimately developing RA within the next two years. Um, The hazard ratio associated with CCP was as high as 8.5. For rheumatoid, it was as high as five, and CARP antibodies, anti-carbamylated P antibodies, was as high as 3.9. If you were double positive for rheumatoid factor and CCP, the positive predicted value of that was 67%, meaning two-thirds of such patients who have clinically suspect polyarthralgia and or double positive, not surprisingly, two thirds of them will develop rheumatoid arthritis. Another sort of uh, related um, st- report comes about the use of ultrasound. In 2016, oh no, In um, uh, the use of ultrasound. Where is that study? It's on my paper here. Uh, I'm gonna have to find it later. Let's go back to the <laughs> to my list. Um, the frequency of secondary Sjogren's syndrome. Um, you know, I once had the pleasure of driving Norman Talal, who was famous for his work in research in sugar Syndrome, uh, professor of medicine and rheumatology from UT San Antonio. He was visiting Dallas, and I drove him from the airport to our Grand Rounds, and I was a fellow at the time, and he asked me, what's the number one autoimmune disease um, in, in, amongst uh, all of our patients, or in, in the world? And um, don't be me, said, I don't know, I don't know what I said, rheumatoid arthritis, and of course he, who is world famous for Sjogren's, told me it was Sjogren's syndrome. You know, of course, he was including patients with secondary Sjogren's syndrome. So a nice bit of research has shown that the frequency of secondary Sjogren's uh, is not uncommon amongst many autoimmune diseases, especially in patients with RA, where it is seen 20% of the time, and in lupus, where it's seen 14% of the time. The interesting thing about having secondary Sjogren's is it is a female dominant uh, finding. It's 15 to one, females to males, when it comes to secondary Sjogren's for both RA and for um, uh, lupus. So, um, an interesting study comes from the Corona Group, where they actually looked at the association between infectious risk um, and disease activity, and they showed that in their patients who had low disease activity or remission that there was no increased rate of sies uh, in patients in their very large database followed longitudinally they showed that it was the uh, the risk of sies was 30% higher when the infection rate rose and you went into the moderate to high disease activity group using the das so basically it, they showed what others have shown it's inflammation that drives infection risk not the drugs um, 107 JIA patients were followed on Biologics for three years uh, and this particular report showed a very high rate of serious and or opportunistic infections uh, ranging from 10.6 to nearly 15 uh, SIEs per 100 patient years. Now remember, the we don't know a background rate in JIA but I would expect to be much lower than adult RA. The adult RA background SIE rate is three to nine per 100 patient years Um, And here in JIA on uh, biologic, it's really 10 to 15, which I think is a substantial increase. In their cohort of 107 patients, 25% or 35 patients did have SI, a serious infection or an opportunistic infection. Uh, An interesting retrospective review of tofacitinib and its experience with lymphoma. Uh, Those of you may not remember um, a few years ago when tofacitinib was being first approved. One of the early concerns was there may be a, a cancer risk, and including lymphoma risk. Um, you know This is what's gone around with the TNF inhibitors and RA. Uh, and it's ultimately been shown that there doesn't seem to be a cancer risk associated with tofacitinib. And this is a review of 19 randomized control trials in 6,000, um, almost 6,200 patients who received tofacitinib for over 19,000 patient years. They found 19 patients who developed lymphoma uh, and, they, and a variety that you would see really an RA, a few being EBV, most of them being B-cell, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The SIR on this is 2.62, relatively low, equal to that seen, actually less than that seen with many of the TNF inhibitors, and an overall rate of about one per 1,000 patient years. 1,000 patients following a year, one on topocytinib is going to develop a lymphoma. That kind of falls into what I've always been saying about the really bad, ugly risks. They're one in 1,000 risks. Um, what is the top selling biologic and anti-rheumatic drug in 2016? Drum roll, please. Humira, still at the top of the list at 13.6 billion. Number two, Embryo, uh second in the list at 7.4 billion. Number three, Remicade still holding strong despite the surge, or almost surge, of biosimilars at 5.3 billion, what's four and five on your list? Number four, Lyrica, 4.4 billion. And number five, rituximab, 3.9 billion. Now that's not quite fair, because most of that rituximab use probably is in um, anti, uh, non-Hodg's lymphoma CD20 positive B-cell lymphomas. So those are the top um, five drugs in 2016. If you look at patients, here's a report I was looking for before. Those who have idiopathic arthralgias and you use ultrasound to detect synovitis, there is a predictive value to using ultrasound. I don't use ultrasound. My partners do. We know that many of the young rheumatologists and fellows are using this, and finding a place for it in practice uh, remains to be seen. But here's a good example. Idiopathic arthralgias. If you do not find synovitis using um, standardized methodology, maybe a seven, uh, an ultrasound 7 score, a, a negative... Uh, ultrasound test or a negative ultrasound screen has a negative predictive value of 89% for the future development of an inflammatory arthritis. I think that's powerful. Um, An interesting review of what happens in patients with rheumatoid arthritis uh, and who are included in clinical trials if they have comorbidities, specifically comorbidities of depression and or fibromyalgia um, or patients who are on SSRIs such patients, FM, depression, or SSRI patients who have RA, in clinical trials have a 10% less ACR20 response rate, and about half the LDAS, low disease activity responses, and they're more likely to have drug withdrawals and adverse events. Not a good idea if you're doing clinical trials, designing clinical trials, you've got to exclude patients with fibromyalgia, depression, and those on SSRIs. You're tainting the data, you're confusing and, and cluttering up and increasing the noise. Again, in clinical trials, especially clinical trials, you need to be as homogeneous and as pure as possible. That may not equate very well to real life, but you're going to get the answers you need uh, by cleaning up your inclusion-exclusion criteria. What happens uh, as far as psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis? What's the temporal relationship? A nice study looked at that. First off, they showed that 7 to 15% of patients' psoriatic arthritis precedes psoriasis. That's kind of... And some of those will be... Um, psoriatic arthritis, sine, psoriasis, meaning they'll never develop psoriasis. That's more likely in young people and kids. The remainder who actually have psoriasis af- I mean, psoriatic arthritis after psoriasis, the median time frame, and this is looking at two different cohorts, that's why I'm giving you two different numbers, the median time to develop psoriatic arthritis after the onset of psoriasis is seven to eight years. Um, another analysis basically shows that about set, somewhere between 60 and 75% of patients uh, will get their psoriatic arthritis Um, within 10 to 15 years after the onset of psoriasis. Uh, A NICE report looked at the influence of uh, inflammatory bowel disease on the development of subsequent autoimmune and inflammatory disorders. Uh, In this cohort they scanned for up to 20 autoimmune disorders. They did show that IBD patients compared to controls were at higher risk for autoimmune inflammatory disorders and it was different between those who had a background of ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. Ulcerative colitis patients were more likely to have autoimmune hepatitis, primary biliary, biliary cholangitis, Graves' disease, PMR, um, as uh, to mention a few. Crohn's patients were actually more likely to have psoriatic arthritis and episcleritis. Interestingly, if you look at subsets uh, of the UC and Crohn's patients and, and include women in there, women with Crohn's are more likely to have RA and UC patients with, Cro- with um, um, who are women, are more likely to have RA as well. So being female tends to color the onset of rheumatoid and inflammatory arthritis in both those cohorts. Uh, an interesting look uh, at, a, at a fairly large Canadian cohort um, of autoimmune patients with regard to biologic use. Now, of course, you know most autoimmune patients are younger, more likely to be female, and you know they're going to have active disease. Continuing drugs is a real big issue. This was an observational study. And it showed that over a 12-year period, from 2000 to 2012, the use of biologics went from zero to nearly 6%. Uh, and that during that time, and it was mostly TNF inhibitors that were making up that group, uh, amongst over 7,000 patients with autoimmune disease, they did find that there was 131 who um, met the criteria of having an autoimmune disease who got pregnant and who went on a biologic. So that's 131 women, half of them had RA, the other half had uh, uh, um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, Uh, and what they did show was that in the first trimester, um, a third of them would stop their biologic, and the second trimester, a second third would stop their biologic, and the remaining third continued throughout the pregnancy. They also showed that amongst all the patients, and the patients included, um, IBD and RA, but also MS, AS, psoriasis, and I, and I think JIA, um, uh, actually MS patients, they also showed that RA patients were three times more likely to stop therapy compared to patients with Crohn's. We know Crohn's patients almost always can, can, uh, continue their biopurines and their biologics throughout with really no hazard, but the practice of stopping in RA, is at least well, that's what's observed not always necessary that needs to happen, especially if the patient has active disease. They came away saying we need more research on um, how to manage patients uh, with um, these autoimmune diseases if they're on a biologic. This is gonna be one of the charges of the ACR uh, Pregnancy Guidelines Committee, which is just established and just started work just this last uh, August. So we'll look forward to their work and guidance and hopefully more research in this area. And lastly, we'll talk about alcohol-related deaths and psoriasis. Patients with psoriasis have a a higher degree of alcohol-related deaths. It's pretty uncommon. The actual rate is about five per 10,000 patient years, but that's almost double that seen in those, uh, in the general population who does not have psoriasis, uh, with an overall um, uh, odds ratio of an alcohol-related death being, I think it was almost mm, uh, 1.58, or almost 60% higher um, compared to the general population. The causes of alcohol-related deaths were primarily alcohol-related liver disease, um, and 65%, 29% with either fibrosis or cirrhosis, and about 9% with mental or behavioral disorders. You know, uh, alcohol-related deaths are not uncommon in in spondyloarthropathies and ankylosing spondylitis as well, and you know, it's part of the spectrum of comorbidities that's associated with these disorders. So uh, a lot can be learned from this, important, I guess, is to counsel your patients about the use of alcohol and uh, that it can be particularly deadly in patients with uh, psoriasis who are much greater risk to develop fibrotic uh, and cirrhotic liver disease um, with methotrexate, but also certainly with alcohol. That's it for this week in Room Now. Um, go to the website. You can find these citations and more reading. Uh, tune in next week for more good news. For those of you in the New England area, you can go to ArthroS. Dot org and sign up for the Down Eastern meeting, which occurs on Saturday, October 14th. Take care and goodbye.